This is the audio podcast with Samuel Freeman and Scott Hewitt. It's uh, Wednesday, the twenty third of March, two thousand eleven. It's the audio podcast, and it's not Friday. It's definitely not Friday. Hi there, I'm Scott Hewitt. As always, I'm joined by Sam Freeman. Hello, hello, <laughs> awesome stuff. Let's get straight into the news. We're going to go nice and quick because people like the other show format. So, yep. So, open Goldberg variations. So, this is music that was written hundreds of years ago, and therefore should theoretically be out of copyright, but apparently there is no public domain version of this score, which is um, J.S. Bach's Goldberg Variations. So, someone or other is doing a project to create a public domain, high-quality recording and print score. Print score of it, yeah. I, I believe the score is going to be done as it Muse score, which is yep, which is uh, itself free software. Yeah. So there'll be uh, the source material of the actual kind of you know r- r- raw material there as well, so that'd be available for people to use and all, all sorts of things. And then also there actually be open source recordings of it available as well. As available as well. Um, they're looking for backers, uh, people to pledge money to support the project. They got um people lined up for involvement in it. So it's just a matter of you know. It's a great opportunity to contribute something, you know, contrib- well, you can contribute financially to this project here and make this a reality, a, a resource which will be in- incredibly useful for a lot of people in a lot of situations, I guess. Having a quick look here online, they seem to have uh, 201 backers. They're... Okay, that's one more today because I loaded this page earlier today and it was only 200. So there you go. Um, they got $12,000 of fifteen of a $15,000 goal. So they're pretty good. 70 days to go to make it happen. So um, they... They're planning on spending fifteen thousand dollars on this, so it's a quite a serious undertaking. Yeah, um, I get the impression it's um, uh, they they have a professional pianist, uh, Kimiko Iziaka. Once again, <laughs> we murder uh, another name. We're we're good at murdering names on this show. Mm. Um, yeah, and it looks like it looks like a very interesting project for me here. Um, I, the other thing I'm saying, you can find out more about it on Kickstarter. Obviously, the links will be in our show notes. Kickstarter itself is a is a great idea. I don't know if, how many people would be aware of it, but you basically put an idea up, say how much money it costs, and invite people to support your idea. And if they're interested, they you know they they offer primarily money to encourage you to deliver the idea. And if you get enough money, you're obliged to do the project based on yep. saying you would do it. And what they've got for this project is they've got. Pledges of $25 or more gets you a CD of it. And then you can step up to $50 or more to get the CD and score or a special edition. Or then there's various other steps all the way up to pledging $1,000 to have a live performance of the Goldberg Variations for you live at venue of your choice. So I, I think that's a really great funding mechanism, actually, you know, offer these kind of tiered tiered options and encourage people to kind of get involved. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a good idea. So that's the Goldberg Variations. You can find out more about it on uh, Kickstarter. Find out more about the Goldberg Variations via a Google search, as always. And there'll be, sh- or, you know, we'll have the link in the show notes if you want to kind of donate and support it. So I think that's a, okay. a that's a great thing. So that's right. cool. So next up, we do have another Apple story. Sorry about this, but GarageBand for the iPad. I don't have an iPad, but and I've never used GarageBand because, well, I tried to once and I just couldn't work out what it was for for me. Um, but this looks awesome. It does. I I, I think it's you know we we, we we do our best to not become Apple centric, and the entire world is a, a blaze with iPad, iPad, iPad. But I think we have to admit that you know, 
this looks awesome. If you, I mean, the, I think the idea of Garage Band is it's really simple. You've got multi-track recording, but you don't have to worry about anything complicated. I think that's the idea. Is that the idea of yeah, GarageBand? Yeah, I've, I've used GarageBand a couple of times. It's um, it's surprisingly capable for the bottom end, you know, for like low level stuff. Um, we we could put this podcast together in GarageBand probably quite happily, I suspect. Yep. And we we don't because it's just a bit of a bit of a pest because of the way it does things. And I like to do things differently, but we probably could bring it together in in, in GarageBand. Yeah, it's very useful. I think um, GarageBand really came out of the um, the the in, well. The, the fact that Apple brought Logic in-house. Yep. And as a consequence of that, they, you know, they got rid of the... Ver- well, they changed the way that Logic was marketed and as a consequence, GarageBand came out and it is... It fits in ideally in the iPhoto, iMovie kind of stuff like that. So, it is cool. It's easy to use. It's free with a Mac, which, you know, so... But this... The, this is... Um, the iPad app is... Well, it's on the App Store, so it's about £5 or something. dollars $4.99. Um, but what you what you end up with is that all of the instruments are on screen and so you have a drum you have your screen full of a drum kit and you tap the different parts to hit the different drums or you have the guitar on screen and you pluck the string with your fingers i mean it's all very silly but it looks like a lot of fun a lot of fun and and for sharing tunes i mean i think you can export directly from the to MP3, or you can send your actual session track to other people, and it can put it onto your computer. And yeah, I think for what it is, this looks like it, it looks pretty a great awesome, toy. doesn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it looks awesome. We we like it. We we should we should. We, we, if we, anyone we should out there's got this, to play I, with this. Yep, yeah, I think yeah, we sh- we should we should start. Anyway, we could. We like it. Yep. Okay, let's move on. So uh, the, the naming of our show, obviously the world is ablaze with this uh, great contribution to the, uh, to the musical uh, Lexion, as they say. And I believe it has been accoladed as the possibly the worst song of all time. Um, um, but it is the uh, Rebecca Black Friday song. Um, if you haven't heard this, then I, I don't know where you've been well, in the last week. It's funny you Sam. say that because I, um, I saw... I saw on the show notes this morning that we were going to talk about this, and so I wondered, okay, so what's this? Clicked the YouTube video and got about three quarters of the way through, kind of shaking my head slowly all the way, saying, "What is this? Why? Why? Why am I watching this? Why? What's going on?" And even now, every time I come to this, my brain kind of goes blank. I can't quite work out how it is that this came to be. Um, I know. Finding, finding. But why? What? How? What is this? Is this a joke? But no, apparently, it's a thing that everyone knows about, apart from me. So, well, it, it yeah. The, the the main story here is actually um, it's it's about the um, Arc Music Factory, which is the people who have actually put this together. Um, it, it turns out that the reason this exists is that uh, as a company, they've developed a, what I actually think is a fairly clever approach here. So basically, they're taking a you know, it you you pay them, and in exchange for paying them, you get the opportunity to put together this this kind of product you get a song written for you you record it they do the production on it you get a music video and it's it's released onto youtube and you know the idea being it might go viral and you might make some money out of it you might get famous or maybe it's just a really awesome kind of birthday present you know that that's my understanding of it I'm, i had a look around and the arc the arc, the arc site doesn't the, the, the arc music factory site isn't quite so uh 
so clear in exactly what it is what it is what it is actually doing they have this idea that it's a club that you join and this kind of thing but my reading of it and the commentary that i've found from when people are suggesting definitely suggests that it's a kind of you pay money into this thing and in exchange you get this opportunity to to kind of record this stuff i i think to be honest if you you know it it looks fairly fairly polished and well put together it's obviously there's not an incredible vocal talent there and i think you can tell that it's uh thrown together and very manufactured i over can i was this is the impression i got but yeah but um you know they have a couple of other people up there singing equally benign songs um i think it's ace that this has gone viral and it's just fun well um, yeah you also provided a link to a um to a list of covers people this so in respect of it being the worst song ever written people have re-recorded it again and again and again and again so and i think some of the covers are kind of fun actually yep i was a bit disappointed that there was um there was a link to to a promise in the in the style of meatloaf and the youtube video on that is seemed to be broken which is usually a sign of it being pulled but yeah that i was a bit disappointed by that but yeah there was some some pretty good ones up there in a kind of but again i never didn't make it more than a 30 seconds into any of them because i just couldn't i can't take it really i just can't take it so uh, i'm I'm sure you've you've I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen the rebecca black friday video if you haven't then you know why not join in the millions don't, of other don't. people who have mocked you it don't already. need to know but um I, I would suggest that checking out the uh the covers is probably a more uh, yes a more productive use of your time and that's a lot of fun and I think that's a great way of doing, you know, self-publicizing yourself. You know, why not do covers of current viral videos? You're bound to score a lot of, you know, yeah, a lot of hits and a lot of exposure out of it. Certainly, I've came across a couple of people. There was one video we particularly liked. Actually, wasn't there really? Yeah, um, "Woe to Michael." It's, the intro is is very good. It's pretty good. It's a very moving yeah. introduction. We really we really like that. So that's the version to check out. I think. Yeah, we'll put that on the show notes. That's the one. That's the one we we'll put up. Yeah, yeah. We'll, put, we'll put that one on the show notes, but you can find the original if you want to. Um, yeah, I'm sure you can. Um, okay, what's next? Yeah, something, something else. Let's <laughs> get away from this. Get away from this. Um, uh, Pronius. Hang on. Oh, yep. Where? Nope, not that one. Hang on. We're having internet problems. Here we go. Prosonus. Presonus. Presonus. There we go. I was like, there we go. You see, we getting mixed up with ProSound, which is coming. Okay. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a trading opportunity. If you've got some hardware you don't want anymore, I think it is particularly... Um, it's, it's any of their interfaces. So if you've got one of their interfaces you don't want it anymore and you want a Fire Studio Mobile, then there's a trade-in deal running at the moment. Uh, when, do you know when it's good to... Um, no, I'm scanning... End of May. May 31st. Okay. May 31st, and you can do a trade-in. It's good for 60 quid off. Uh, a whole load of the typical retailers you'd expect are doing it. There you go. That's just... That's it. It's a good... I mean, it's a good gimmick. I think it's a good selling good point, you know? I, I do wonder. I, you know, I've, I've got a couple of old sound cards. They still work. There's a couple of bits about some newer versions that I would prefer. Hmm. I'm not going to buy a new one because my old one still works, but... If you, you were know. offered money off in exchange. I mean, it's I, a good... I'd be tempted. What do you think they're going to do with all the old ones? Are they going to recycle a bit? So what? I mean, you know, well, what what happens to electronic things? Because you can't, they're, they're not supposed to go into landfill. Everything's got the little do not trash symbol on it. So what do they do with post-consumer electronics? Waste. 
I, I, I suspect here that the um the, the sixty quid you're getting is rolled into the rolled into the rolled into the price. So you're you know the market price is sixty quid higher than it should need be. Here's a sixty quid discount. In six months' time, you'll discover that you're that people are selling it for six quid less anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I suspect that's what's happening, but that still doesn't mean if you want one right now, it's a good deal. And may, maybe you know, maybe they do have something cool they're going to do with the the old ones. Um. I'm sure you could if you got some things that are working. Go education sector, go in the community sector, like yep. given for free, all those kind of things. Maybe they're going to strip them down, take them apart, and redo stuff with them. And Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I'd like to know. That really has nothing to do with the actual story that we were looking at, there, does it? But no, but I mean, this, I it's think it's interesting. An, it's a valid it's point. A puzzle, you know, it's, it, you know? yep. Anybody out there have any ideas? Anybody from? Uh, yeah, if you're involved in this and you want to tell us what happens to these old things, we'd love to know. So, yeah, let us know. Why not? That'd be ace. Go on. Somebody get in contact with us. Uh, how would they do that if they wanted to get in contact with us? Um, Twitter is a good way of doing it. It's um, at the audio podcast. That's cool. Yep. Otherwise, uh, the audio podcast.co.uk. Email on there. Yep. Hey, a couple of great ways of getting there. Cool. Uh, so another another iPad app. You see, however hard we try, we're just, we just keep hitting Apple iPad here. I'm sorry. It's not an iPad story, this at all. Uh, Yamaha have announced their new um, LS9 consoler, um, con- console iPad app. So basically, you can drive their desk from an iPad. I think that's awesome stuff, actually. You know, I, I, I think everybody who's worked in kind of the live sound world has had that experience where you're at the wrong end of the room from your desk. Yeah. And you want to do something. And you have to run back to the desk. And if you're working with like one desk at the back of the room, like for a small, a mid-sized band or something like that, mm. then... You know, you want to do something with the monitor mix, and there isn't a monitor, a monitor console on the stage, so you have to go to the back of the room to do the monitor mix, and you can't actually hear the monitor mix anymore. Where it's nice to be able to vary the monitor mix and hear the monitor mix there, and establish a good monitor mix for. Or even if you're just working on your own and you need to unexpectedly go move a microphone or something, then that means you're away from the desk, and you might need to hit the faders quickly when you can't do that. So, yeah, I think it's cool. Cool, cool piece of technology makes life easier i think it's um and there's and like so this is a specific one but there is similar things available for pro tools and things as well now isn't there is there? yeah i think you yeah. can do pro tools i think you can I, I think most of the manufacturers are starting to roll out this sort of stuff as mm. well now which is pretty which is pretty cool it's a great it's a great system i think it's going to add an awful lot to what people are you know how people work it's going to simplify our lives i think that's cool i like it if you've um i haven't had experience running this app in running this one actually i think it's on the way out it might not have been quite released but it's going to be there it's going to be there pretty soon but yeah yep. people are using this in their work i'm saying maybe maybe it isn't great maybe it's a complete disaster if you've got an opinion we'd love to hear about that cool okay so yeah um, so well we're still we are still talking about touch interface controllers here um but they've taken it a step further in the creation of an object called the OMG-1, and it's a contest for being run by Spectrasonics, and they've got a virtual instrument called Omnisphere, which in its re- most recent incarnation has a touch interface, which looks a lot like the old Lima interfaces, the way that the um, spheres move around, if you've ever seen them. But the contest is related to Bob Moog and the Bob Moog Foundation, Sorry, mine went blank. Um, and the the OMG1 is a hardware 
unique creation that has a it's a pretty awesome looking piece of kit actually isn't it it's it like a, m- a kind of a wooden red thing with a couple of consoles whole load of interface stuff all the controllers you'd expect and then this kind of you know touch screen interface at the top which provides you a it's it's a cool piece of kit, but it's uh, it's the contest in particular you were we we were looking at here, wasn't it as well? Yeah. So, it's for registered users of that software can download a bank of sounds that are modelled after Moog sounds and create a tune and if submit it as an MP3 and they will choose a winner and give them this thing which has a analog synthesizer built in linked up to the Omnisphere software and yeah i think you should check it out just as a it's kind of a an imaginary thing made real mm. yeah it's cool this omg1 i'm just i'm just looking here it's uh it, it's a moog little fatty which is you know they're cool it's the omnisphere a mac mini dual ipads dual ipods and an omni tr in this wooden maple cabinet that is like that's just a collection of cool things basically in a cool <laughs> box that's ace I like that too. I think that's cool. Um, so basically, what well, you 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 make a track, send it to them. If you win, you get a whole lot of cool stuff. Yep. Um, you know, they they obviously it's not too bad. I'm saying I, I don't know how you feel about these kind of competitions, but it's always important to read the terms here. Um, you know, you you are granted the right to keep your copyrights and intellectual property of the submission, but you do have to grant them a uh, a right to use it for promotional purposes. So, which, which is a fairly, I think that's a that's a reasonably fair one. Yeah, that's not as bad as some of them, which are like, you know, it's ours. We can do whatever we want with it forever. Thank you. Yep. Which for everybody who doesn't win is a fairly bad deal. (laughs) So and even for the person who wins, it's maybe not a great deal. But, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's something maybe to bear in mind. But I think that's a great contest. It's really interesting. And that's an awesome looking piece of hardware. It really looks fantastic, actually. I like that. Uh, When's the end date on that contest? Um, July 15th, is it? Yeah. Cool. So plenty of time there. If you want to work on something, you're... You're interested in that kind of stuff. That's cool. Cool. So um, he- heading into w- what could be the main, what probably should be the main, but I, I don't <laughs> think we're going to try and dawdle on it too long, actually, because um, it has a little bit of a sideline. But uh, today, um, well, a couple of days ago on the 21st, the London School of Economics uh, rolled out a big, a, a big kind of policy briefing as they put together every now and again. Um, and this is all about all basically about the relationship between copyright and the music industry and its involvement in there. Um, they, 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 they make a couple of fairly bold statements, or at least my, my reading of what they're saying and the summaries around there, kind of make, it, it seems fairly bold. But essentially what they're saying is that um, the, you know, the music industry is, you know, has spent its time criminalizing its, its fans and its listeners based on you know, how they access the music, the fact they don't pay for it. And yes, fair enough, it is a crime. But there again, if you consider how hard it was to buy music prior to iTunes and how awkward it is, even in the post-iTunes world now, it's like you have to have the right piece of hardware and you have to pay this lot of money and all these kind of things. And the, the fact that this relationship has really become really, really bad now, I'm saying, you know, the, the, the music industry is struggling. A lot of it's struggling right now. And a lot of artists are struggling. So they're saying it's time to kind of reconsider how these things can be done time to reconsider income models for the creative sphere and as a consequence running after you know hunting down pirates pirates isn't really a particularly great use of anybody's time in this process is what they argue putting a stranglehold on peer-to-peer technology in particular as this is where most of the piracy is happening therefore we will persecute that as a technology is 
the way that governments seem to be wanting to go in a kind of short-sighted way in which this report is saying that's just wrong. I think the, the peer-to-peer stuff's important to, you know, it's important technology. And it is, you know, you say peer-to-peer and everybody thinks of piracy immediately. Whereas peer-to-peer is an incredible, incredible technology for distributing massive distributing big files it's a really great way to do it and it's a very obvious way to do it we mentioned so. spotify last week doesn't that work partly on peer-to-peer yeah technology? i think so yeah i think well, they have that kind of stuff in no. there so it is a great way i'm saying if you if, if you try and distribute a one gig file and put it on your local server you'll find you know you'll find you get a bandwidth bill pretty quick and have problems with that whereas with a peer-to-peer distribution it would be a better you know mm-hmm. be a more interesting way Certainly for like ourselves with a podcast here, you know, doing a peer-to-peer distribution of the podcast would probably make it faster, faster to a lot of people and would certainly ease in the, you know, in, in our costs of running, running this podcast. But, you know, it'd be difficult to do that right now because of the stigma attached to peer-to-peer technology, both by the ISPs, by the government, a lot of users themselves, and also by the general content of the peer-to-peer networks is so kind of criminal. You know, yeah. so much of it is illegal content that... I um, don't want to sit in that crowd, really. Recently, well, in the past year or two, I wanted to download um, Rebirth because I was aware that that sits up on on a museum. Propellerheads made that available a few years ago um, when they stopped supporting it. And I was surprised to find that I would have to use a peer-to-peer server of some kind in order to download it, which I, I begrudgingly did on my on the old PC that was lying around. I didn't, you know, I don't, but it is that stigma which is attached to it. It's something that myself, I feel, and I was, you know, I, I'm, I was quite happy not having access to that on my Mac, which was my main computer. So I used my secondary computer to kind of say, well, you know, I want this thing in particular. It's the only way to get it. So perhaps I'm small minded. Maybe there's all sorts of other things I could be getting paid to peer wise. That isn't illegal. I don't know. Anyway, back to the story here, which is, well, well, there's a couple of bits. I'm saying they, they, they talk about their research. It's a fairly hefty document, which, you know, it's probably an idea to take a, you know, if it's of interest to take a look at. I'm saying a couple of bold bold lines for me there. They they say that, um, you know, quite often the the balance is wrong between copyright enforcement and innovation. Just saying that, you know, the the, the idea is generally to crush the innovation, which facilitates the, cop, the, the copyright violation rather than to consider its potential positive use mm. and try and develop it in that case. They also point out, you know, some of this just seems ridiculously obvious, doesn't it? But, you know, if you give people a hassle-free solution to be legal, most people are probably inclined to take that option. Whereas if you make it really hard work to do it legally, then why would you Why would you go the legal route when the illegal route is much easier? Yeah. I think the video world is in a real problem in this case right now. It's if, if you, and this is a complete sideline here, I'm sorry about this, but obviously in the video world, if you download an illegal video, there's a good chance it'll, work, it'll play on what you want to watch it on. If you yep. download a legal video, there's a fairly good chance it won't work because they've used some bizarre codecs that you don't have. It's, it's always been the joke, even with the advertisements against piracy, where you only see that on your legal copy and you can't skip it because they want you to watch it. But if you're watching that video, it's because you've not pirated it. That's the only reason that you would watch the, the advert telling you not to pirate things. And, well, yeah. That, the, um, this report that we're talking about is available online to read. It's um, how many pages? It's not that long, actually. I was quite surprised. These reports often go on quite a lot. Was it 18 pages or something? Including references. Yeah, 17 pages there. So but it's it, definitely, definitely readable, you know. Yep. G- give, it, give it a... I'd, I'd give it a read. We're... I think this would be a great topic for people if they want to get back in contact with us and what, what you think about this, you know, 
That'd be re- really interesting. It could be a great show. Maybe a phone-in show for that would be cool. Ooh. Mm. Nice. Okay, cool. So uh, let, let's head off into our plundered elements, as they say. Though I don't know what the difference between a plundered element and a news element really is anymore. Like, they all come from the web. Mm. But plundered are things you could do things with, whereas news is just news, I think. Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for that. And we have a lot of pirate talk, so ooh to the plunder. Arr. Arr. Um, okay, well, with two items here, which um, were both plundered by you, but I'll introduce the first, which is um, Pyo? P-Y-O? Who knows? Pyo. How do you say anything? Um, it's, this is a programming thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, I, I'll, I'll take it. You can take the next one. You, you read on the next one while I do something. It's something that came to, came to, came to, my, uh, came to my attention. It's... Um, uh, uh, basically a way of writing digital signal uh, writing dsp in python um it, it's really quite nice actually um it, it simplifies the usage it's it's pretty well documented the installation is pretty clean and it basically offers a really kind of a, a fun way to work with python and audio which is, is kind of cool um for people running kind of osx you'll find that python's already in there and um you know what i mean it, it's just another kind of tool it's a text in a, it's a it's a text it's a text thing so it's a text programming language, but if you're going to head into that world, then Python's a, a language to start with. It's a kind of fun language to work with. It's quite forgiving. So, yep. I mean, I, I, I spotted it. I had to play with it. I thought it was kind of cool. So I thought, hey, let, let's, let's mention it. It's, it's our pl- one of my plunders. Okay. Rawr. So we've got internet problems here, but one of the other plunders is, um, is Patchwork Radio, which I think uses Python for its streaming thing. Is that right? I think so, but our internet's dead. It is. It's completely broken. Duh. <sighs> but so, but Patchwork Radio, we can. The link will be up there. Um, it might be using Python, it might not. But whatever it is, it's pretty cool. In that, it's a streaming radio broadcast. It's a link to a .org, which you can get access to through Winamp or Media Player or just your browser. It's quite happy to play them these days. Um, and it's generative. And it's yep. It's not. It's not pre-recorded. What's predetermined is it's using PD patches. So people are using PD to make patches that instead of connecting directly to hardware, connect to an abstraction. You submit that to Patchwork Radio and they plug it in to the internet and your patch will play for about 10 minutes. And so every time you listen, you'll get there'll be different things. I, I suspect there's a finite number of patches being used right now that are just cycling through but each time a particular patch is played it's going to come out slightly different and if you're in i mean i think is well this is cool stuff it's like python encapsulating a pure data pure data patches and that's what's doing the execution and streaming it out yeah this is really cool stuff actually so if you're into experimental ambient music anyway it's all quite it's all quite ambient as generative music is quite often but yeah there's there was some good beats come through when i listened before um i think plink tank i think is what was playing or something like that I mean, that's what, yep it tells you at the side what's currently playing and yeah check it out and you can contribute your own stuff can't you you can is, yep it's quite nice. if you if you know pd then making it, your patches compatible with this is quite simple yeah no that, that that's cool stuff that's a really great use of pd i didn't realize you could run pd from an from a server server environment that's that that's that's pretty cool 
you know, I like that. Cool. Okay, cool. Uh, final, uh, final, a uh, final plunder. I guess we got one extra plunder here. Was mm. just the uh, the road road roaduniversity dot com. Uh, road make mics, and they have a, a whole website full of like videos about their mics and how to use them and stuff. And while it's all obviously about their mics, it's fairly good advice for microphone technique is microphone technique yeah yeah so that's a that's a cool little extra thing there i thought that was ace worth a check out um yeah so we should be there cool so that's as like pretty much there yeah um i've I've just put up cc hits to find out what is our what what is there so i will i'll take a look at that um while i check what is there and we can say that this was the audio broadcast and it's a production from the on-time production house and you can find us online at theaudiopodcast.co.uk and on twitter as we said earlier at the audio podcast cool well cc hits number one and number two are non-movers and we've already played them so mm. should we go for number three as long as it's family friendly okay i'll check if number three is family friendly and and copyright friendly you see we've got to be careful here Oh no, we're we're okay. It's uh, Creative Commons by uh, by attribution, share alike. So, uh, this is Jimmy Carter by Twenty Pound Sounds. Thank you. Bye.